0: Hi and welcome to Blockchain Beat. My name is Ana Paula Picasso and you are listening to the Blockchain and Football Series. here with Petrit Berisha. He's the head of crypto media at Copa90 and a multi-award winning podcast creator. Hi, Petrit. Hey, how's it
1: going? Thanks so much for having me.
0: Welcome to Blockchain Beat. And do you recognize this clip I just played?
1: I believe, and look, my Portuguese isn't that good, but I believe it's Carlos Alberto's uh, goal in the World Cup, the famous one that goes out to the right and he... He hits it with the outside of his foot near against the post and it and it goes in. A lovely goal.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Is uh, the final Brazil Italy nineteen seventy Mexico and Peleg passes to Carlos Alberto, and he scores the goal. Yeah, one
1: of the one of the one of the best Brazilian teams ever, I think. Yeah.
0: So yeah, so come for the blockchain, stay for the football trivia. So I, the reason I invited you here, Patrick, because you are the person about to talk about blockchain, crypto, football. This, this episode is more centered in football, but I know you have a newsletter about sporting and crypto. We can talk more about that later on. But um, yeah, so I just want to start this episode t- talking about crypto and sponsorships.
1: Sure um that sounds yeah. like a, a a good place to start considering how many of them are going on
0: i know right it seems that there is a big explosion in the last 12 months give or take Of yeah so crypto exchanges especially crypto exchanges sponsoring football teams uh in brazil we had mercado bitcoin for my team corinthians yay and also just a couple of weeks ago, beast Exchange sponsoring Sao Paulo FC and much more like Crypto.com going for it. So what's been happening in the last 12 months or so, Patrick? Why do you think this explosion happened?
1: Well, I mean, a lot of crypto exchanges have raised a lot of money and a lot of them have made a, a lot of money from transactions and they need to spend it somewhere, right? And... Blockchain exchanges, the way they make money is um, they, you know, it's a volume based game. So the more users you get in to buy the assets that you have on your your balance sheet uh, and start trading them, um, the better uh, obviously like buying even from coinbase uh, directly or any exchange um, you know a fee selling a fee if you're on the on any exchange um, unless you're doing crazy massive volumes there is still fees so that's the name of the game for exchanges it's a, it's a, it's a volume thing so not only do you want your customers trading more or transacting more you want them to you want more customers to be doing that and uh, it's the same as like any exchange right like this happens on a free trade or you know revolute stock trading offering it's, it's the same business model to some extent um, anything that takes transactional uh, percentages off trades it's the same business model and so I, I, I guess to take a step back sports in general and football specifically, the demographic of people um, in terms of who would be most likely to buy a crypto asset or trade a crypto asset, those two do overlap a fair bit. And so that is one reason. Another reason is that football clubs have lost a crazy amount of money over the last two years with the pandemic. Um, And that is anything from... You know ticket revenues to you know uh, people having less money to spend on merchandise or um, uh, and so on and so forth. So you know I'm not saying I'm uh, feeling bad for <laughs> football clubs because they make a lot of money, but they have lost a lot of money over the last two years relative to what they were making before. And so a lot of these crypto sponsorships are very lucrative, right? So we've seen in the nba who have probably done it best uh coinbase partnering with the whole nba um, ftx partnering with miami heat um and 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 ftx also sponsoring golden state i think so there there are big big opportunities there in terms of like putting your name against a really big brand and i think it makes sense for those two parties now where i think there is some Uh, responsibility and how it's kind of like ingrained into culture particularly for football is that football clubs have been caught very much unawares many times Uh, so Man City, Barcelona have both entered relationships with crypto companies one that either didn't exist or was never formed and one that was found to be uh, acting fraudulently in Israel or something like that so What I will say is that football clubs, compared to other sporting entities, have done such little due diligence in comparison. Like, I mean, a lot of people sometimes complain about monolithic, big American institutions that take crazy amounts of things to get done because there's so many lawyers and you can get sued by anyone. But it means that only really legitimate players can like play in that space, and that's why FTX. Coinbase and these other big exchanges have um, managed to sponsor these entities and these teams. And now with football, it's a bit more like, well, if we get some money on board and it doesn't work out, we'll just move to the next one. Which I think that relationship, I I kind of expected better from football teams in the sense that after the European Super League, I thought that they would be a bit more sensitive to football fans and uh, sensitive to kind of appearing unauthentic um, and not wanting to dis- disenfranchise their fans and I've kind of seen that a lot that like a lot of football uh, brands a lot of football clubs and a lot of football players have kind of jumped into a lot of these sponsorship deals head first without really thinking about them and so that that's the kind of bad which I don't like I think the good and I'll use again American sports as an example is that Crypto exchanges and crypto companies have superpowers, and what I mean by that is, F F FT- <laughs> FTX, uh, not not in not like Superman, but F T X, for example, dropped an N F T to every single person in the Miami Heat arena um, one night, and that's that's something that you know an energy company or. A fast food company or an alcohol brand just can't do they cannot do that they are not going to come into the they, they might go into the the stadium and bring twenty thousand beers but who's like that is not practical so it's genius because if you yeah but also like it's it, it's a physical thing that you need to you need someone to bring it in blah blah all that kind of stuff it's a bit of a nightmare and I I just think there's something there in that crypto exchanges and crypto brands or NFT uh, marketplaces, companies, whatever it may be, have this ability to create a relationship with a fan of a sports club in a far less frictioned way than many other brands and look like everyone should uh you know view crypto assets as something that's you know unregulated and and say with nfts but if you are going to be given a free one and all you have to do is sign up to ftx and claim it whether or not you become a customer from then on i don't know but just having that nft and your wallet address being linked to that NFT for FTX is gold because, you know, it's 12 months down the line. FTX might say, oh, you were at that game where um, Jimmy Butler hit the winning three. And we're going to send you this Jimmy Butler NFT for free. And you might be entered in a raffle um, that might give you access to his next press conference. And that's a money can't buy experience. So, again, I'm using American sports as an example because I think they've done it best. And I think this is where football clubs can learn from. But the Toronto Raptors, um, they sold or gave away NFTs that gave people the ability to to actually be part of the press conference with players and journalists, which is something that money cannot buy. Like this is only being done through that form. So that's maybe not so much crypto sponsorship, but I do think there's a superpower that crypto and companies and, and, is uh, F- of this world and exchanges have that means that they can be truly powerful partners for these sports entities if it's done right.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, uh... I found very interesting all the examples you gave. And as a marketing person, my background is marketing communications. I think the use of NFTs for another marketing tool for this, these teams and these exchanges is a match made in heaven, really. And on the long run, you you kind of captivate, captivating your next customer, you know, pr- probably someone that never had an NFT before, never even bought crypto before, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a, a, a masterful customer acquisition strategy. Um, and I'm kind of... Yeah, I, I'm very passionate, or, or maybe not passionate is the right, wrong word, but like I'm really of the opinion that for a lot of big brands, um, NFTs will be cost centers and they'll be marketing strategies. They won't be a big way to generate revenue unless they're done right and unless there's a the product market fit. And that's why we've seen a lot of brands just do crappy NFTs that maybe have made them a bit of money, but like really and truly what's it going to do for their business model? Um what is it going to do for their customers? Like no one really cares about them. Um same with a lot of celebrities and athletes. I think Ozzy Osborne's um CryptoBats is probably the second celebrity NFT that's done really well apart from Gary V' so Like celebrities and brands alike, they're going to work out at some point that this should be a marketing cost to you, not something that you use to make a crazy amount of money.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I totally agree with you. You're not going to make a lot of revenue out of it, but in the long run, there you're going to have a new audience that you didn't have before. And Patrick, I just want to go back a little bit to what you said about the football clubs, Losing a little bit, losing money, quote, unquote, losing money and during the pandemic. Um, I want to talk about fan tokens. I know it started well, way before the pandemic. Um, do you want to explain what that is for someone that have never heard that before?
1: So, yeah, I think to the point that I've just made, I when people say fan tokens to me, um, there is automatically an association now with Socios, and there are a few other companies that are doing these fan tokens. And for me, when I kind of hear about the amount of money that football clubs are making and these entities are making from fan tokens, it doesn't that that relationship between fan, creator of token, and club doesn't really not necessarily sit right with me because i think this is a sponsorship model i don't think it's a fan token model how i would envision it if it. this feels like a sponsorship model um for me fan tokens should be something that again are cost centers to a football club they are something that a football club uses to engage their fans in a in a digital way and whether or not they're given with season tickets or they're given for every game you go to or they, they, they might be buyable. But I just think the the financialization of that relationship to me doesn't really make that much sense. Like I don't know, you can never get, for me anyway, this is my personal opinion, I don't know how much of an engagement factor you can get to before these tokens actually to me have a tangible like financial value and again people want to want to trade things like we know that but for me in terms of like am i going to buy tokens to to vote whether or not arsenal um play this song or that song before a game to me as a fan i don't really think that matters that much like i'd i'd rather be given tokens that i might be able to use to get discounts at a merchandise store or um, first access to maybe Arsenal NFTs in the future. I'm using Arsenal because that's the team I support. It's like all, all those types of things. And I, I think there should be a, 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 a way that clubs use a fan token model that is much more akin to loyalty points and membership um, that have that kind of digital bridge to being able to do something like, okay, you were at the cup semifinal last night. You can scan a PO app, and if you show that PO, proof of attendance protocol for anyone that's that's listening and doesn't know, it's basically you're able to mint a token that proves you were somewhere, quote unquote. Um, and then I can use that token to say, oh, I was there, and maybe I get five fan tokens in response. And maybe if I have those fan tokens in my, and again, I'm thinking really long term here. Maybe if I have those fan tokens in my wallet, um, I can use one to get discount at a, you know, at a restaurant in the local area. I can use one to um, get a discount on a cab journey or something like that for me I, I really think that there is a over-financialization of that model in particular and I think that it's maybe more of a short-term thing and it's going to be one of those things where someone comes up with something that is far more engaging less financialized uh, financialized is that the right word Financialized? i don't know um <laughs> and i and i think maybe you you still will be able to buy them on exchanges right but i do truly think that the over you know commercialization of that model doesn't really make that much sense to me i understand i more understand a club selling nfts and making a lot of money from that than fan tokens being openly traded bought and sold and used on um you know fan engagement um, for me, it just feels like a sponsorship model that is dressed up in a in another way. And again, this is not to be disparaging of of that model. Like it, I might be wrong; it might go on for for years to come. Um, but for me, I, I think whoever whoever does it right is going to be someone that does it right in a non commercial first way is a cost center to the club they make their money by being able to facilitate these tokens and uh, you know uh, create these products with them and also they make money by doing deals with merchants um that's the way i kind of see it going
0: yeah yeah and also for instance for me i you know even if i'm in the crypto world here i know i still not too familiar with how fun tokens would work I think also education is a big challenge, don't you think, Patrick? For instance, how would someone go on about buying a fun token for a club? A a lot of
1: them are via an app. A lot of them can be bought on exchanges like Binance. Um, To me, I I think the education point is quite important because I, again, like I, I think it's difficult to kind of put into words but it's difficult to understand like a a world where that model is the sole way that fan tokens are dressed up in my mind like I just I just think it's a transactional sponsorship type model at the moment that is surface level fan engagement to me and I think a fan token model in the future will look a lot different to what it does now. Um, I might not have all the answers to what that looks like. Some far smarter people than than I might, um, might know. But like, I... I,
0: I think no one does.
1: <laughs> no one does, but like, yeah. <laughs> no one I, does. I, 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 I,
0: it. It's so new, no one I, does. I
1: think that is the... Um, that is that is like my opinion. Like I just don't, and, like maybe maybe I'm wrong, and maybe they iterate the product and offering into something that is different, and clubs are kind of happy with making less money or no money out of this, as long as their fans are engaged in a in a novel and new way. To me, I just I'm not sure, uh, and I, I I strongly don't think that that's going to be the way fan token models operate in the future.
0: No, I don't think it's sustainable how it is at the moment. They they need to be they need to be reframed a little bit, isn't it? Yeah,
1: I, I think, yeah. as I said before, it's it's just the over-commercializations. Like, I, I've heard that some clubs have made, I won't name them, but, like, some clubs have made tens of millions of pounds or dollars in a quarter, oh, come on. right? Name them. I can't, I can't. Name but, them. <laughs> but like, <laughs> some joking. of these big clubs have made tens of millions of dollars, pounds, euros in a quarter, Um from selling socios tokens and like for me that you know that money has come from fans it's gone to club and socios and if this is a fan engagement mechanism i'm a fan whether or not i pay for those tokens or not and now the way i think that model should be is that maybe someone like socios i don't know if it's going to be them or a club themselves create the token they are distributed to fans in a way that isn't like commercialized or maybe you know maybe they can be still transactional on a secondary market and fans can you know trade them or do whatever they want with them but like i I still feel that like you know if you have a season ticket maybe you get some tokens if you've gone to a game maybe you get some tokens if you live in hong kong and you watch a game and you scan a qr code that proves you were watching a game at 4 a.m or whatever you get given some arsenal tokens in your in your in your arsenal crypto wallet and maybe you're able to use those um as a you know more of a loyalty type thing a membership type thing or maybe you're you're able to to have some merchant uh discounts at specific stores digital and physical like i i think that's the kind of world that i envision when i think of fan tokens i don't really think of fans buying tokens that then clubs and and another entity profit from it, it to me it doesn't make sense and again i could be completely wrong it may be a business model that lasts for the next 10, 15 years. But to me, I I don't really understand whether or not how that's going to work in the future.
0: Yeah, we will see. We'll see. I think, like I said, no one knows. It's something so new. People are still trying out different things. But I totally understand what you're saying from talking in, in itself. Um, they. It, it needs to have a broader utility, isn't it? So, yeah. So that was about uh, your thoughts on fun tokens. And so talking about Team NFTs, why? You, I know we had a prep call where you said they received some criticism for the Team NFTs. So what's, what's happening there?
1: Um, I, I think there's a gold rush to make money from NFTs, basically. I think people are seeing yeah. the amount of money that's being paid for a board ape or a, or a doodle or whatever other nft project you can name uh you know i sold a a, a, a creeps nft this morning for three ethereum and you know to someone in, in a non-crypto environment that's a lot of money it's like eight thousand dollars at the moment nine thousand dollars whatever it may be um and someone might say oh wow that's crazy amounts of money and if you're in a marketing department or a commercial department and you're looking at that and you're like, wow, let's say there's 10,000 of these things. If we can sell them for whatever each and then also take 5% on each transaction on the secondary market, wow, that's a lot of money. And as soon as we do it, like we don't have to do anything after it. Like we just sell them, we get the money and then we, we make money on the secondary. And it's so much easier said than done. Like I I, I really truly think that people are, Crazy when they say, oh, wow, you know, it's just a picture and um, is that all it is? What else do you get with it? And it's, if you see some of the work that goes behind some of these NFT projects, like there is more work that goes into a, maybe a five person NFT project than there is in like a, a 20 person normal organization, genuinely. Like there is so much work. It happens so much quicker. You have, you don't have customers. You have a community who hold you to account. And that is so much more powerful when you're like reachable um, via a discord message rather than a, you know, an email to customer service or whatever it may be. So I think the stress levels are higher. I think what the work needs that, that has to be done is higher. And, you know, like a lot of these clubs have basically just been like, oh, yeah, like, let's let's just do it. And. they just they just don't know what they're doing really i mean i saw the sacramento kings uh, again using another basketball entity because i think this is probably the first one where i've seen it's done really badly in sports in in the u.s and they just did like ten thousand lions and they looked exactly like an already pre-existing nft project and everyone was like oh this looks pretty bad um i mean there's there's been interesting ones like manchester city have done some interesting ones with some artists but again like there's there's they're not really playing in the space properly in the sense that they're not really doing what an adidas has done or what a nike has done and i think that those brands have basically become crypto fluent they've become nft fluent they've understood what this means they've understood what the technology means but they also understood what the what the community behind this these technology means and they've and they've gone for it and they've done it properly. And look, lo and behold, Adidas, a commercial entity, sold twenty two million dollars worth of NFTs. And why, like, why? Because they did it right. And I'm not saying that you can't profit from it as a brand, but know that if your sole intention is to profit, you're automatically gonna you're gonna do bad.
0: What what things they got it right? What uh, Adidas did right?
1: I mean, so I mean, they obviously hired some really smart people who know what they're doing. Um, They also collaborated with massive communities. So what they did there is they created permissioned access. So they've got 30,000 NFTs and they say to Bored Apes who have 10,000 NFTs and however many owners, okay, each of your owners can mint however many of our Adidas NFTs. The actual art has been collaborated with Bored Apes and a couple other big NFT projects. So there is that kind of authenticity to them to some extent in the sense that um oh wow like you know if Bored Apes are collabing with Adidas that must mean something and look that means that Adidas have sold these 22 million NFTs uh, 22 million dollars worth of NFTs I don't know what cut goes to Bored Apes and what cut goes to G Money and and so on and so forth um and then the secondary sales I don't know how they're split but essentially that move alongside buying a parcel of land on Sandbox alongside uh partnering with Coinbase NFT um they started all of this with basically just releasing a poap a proof of attendance protocol on twitter and saying you know looks rare and people minted this token as quickly as they could for free obviously and whoever had one of those tokens got an early access spot to to minting the actual adidas nft so they've done a lot of really interesting things but i don't think anything they've done is overly complex it's and and They've done amazingly, right? But I think they've done amazingly because the bar is so low. Because you've seen so many brands just do, like, oh, here's a picture of our logo on a design, and here you go. Try and, like, buy it, please. And that's what they've done. And because Adidas actually thought about it, thought it through, and said, okay, we're actually not going to go down that route. We're going to go down a much more crypto native, fluent, uh, like vibe we're going to be very much authentic within that community and the people that play in that community of course it's going to work well but i think it works well because i said the bar is so low all these brands are doing it so badly so yeah i mean over the next 18 months we'll see a lot of brands do it really well but like some of them are still going to do it really badly i'm, I'm certain of both of those things
0: so Patrick, now is the time for you to talk about your journey and how did you end up being the head of crypto media on copa 90
1: Sure, I mean, um I, I guess uh to go from the start, like I've always been a massive football fan, played football a lot when I was younger, um still do as much as I can. Um been an Arsenal fan like all my life. Um and football's been like basically my number one passion um since I was like five years old. And uh I did a product design engineering degree at university, um, which I didn't really enjoy that much. I, I was not an engineer. That was not like my that was not my calling. And I was not a designer. That was not my calling either. So um, I decided to do something completely different I started making content in mid 2017 and then it it was kind of a plan to do that for a while myself but I didn't didn't really wasn't really spending enough time on it on a weekly basis I was kind of doing you know 15 hours of work a week on on some football content and stuff and then I joined a company called 11fs in October 2017 so basically i say i started making content i just started you know using premiere pro and 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 doing some things with with podcasts for only like three months before i joined 11fs so it wasn't like a a big you know thing and uh i joined 11fs who are like a a challenger consultancy in, in 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 the financial services space and they had a big media arm or still do have a big media arm um And they had three podcasts at the time. Fintech Insider, which is their flagship show. It's still still pretty big. Uh, Blockchain Insider and InsureTech Insider. And Blockchain Insider was the one that I eventually took on as my own. And I basically produced that podcast from kind of episode 20 to uh, episode... Like all the way up to episode 130 or whatever. And um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Like I was fascinated by bitcoin fascinated by ethereum in, in in summer 2017 i'd obviously heard of them before but i didn't know anything about it like i i kind of knew what a bitcoin was and how it worked by then but like i didn't know the ins and outs my brother is uh well, about to be a master's computer science graduate but at the time was still very switched on and very technical and I was basically like asking him those questions in summer 2017. Like, how does a decentralized ledger work? Like, why does Bitcoin not have a double spending problem? Um, I've always been kind of like fascinated by the economics of our world and how our like monetary systems work. And to me, it kind of just made sense straight away. Like, as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, yeah, that does make sense. Um, and then Ethereum was like a whole nother ball game because, like, just trying to wrap my head around you know, a, at the time when people were calling it like a decentralized supercomputer, um, I I kind of just, it, it, it was very, it's it struggled to get into my head, but like the ap- application layer and potential settlement layer of the future internet um, was basically like what I was looking at at the time in hindsight and, you know, imagine a, uh, you know, iOS operating system, uh, a kind of, ter- you know, all in one toolkit to build, applications in a decentralized way on this chain but also transact in its native currency to kind of fuel those applications it started to like make a lot of sense to me during that summer and kind of by the time I'd, I'd started producing this podcast blockchain inside I'd already knew a little bit about this like I was listening to, to a lot of people speaking to a lot of people about it and kind of you know six nine months 12 months down the line um I I'd kind of I, I knew enough at the point to, to kind of hold a conversation with, you know, people who are like the, the most esteemed in the, in, in, in the crypto space. And again, like, I'm not a very technical person. So if you ask me like very technical questions, it's, it's, it's something that I don't understand. Um, but I, but I kind of understand what these applications, what these technologies do and how they function to a good enough extent that, um, like I, I, I that was my kind of education. And then, um, I left 11FS in May, 2020, um, and then just basically, you know, ha- had loads of really awesome offers to work with loads of amazing people, which were, well, you know, still grateful to today because a lot of those people still keep in touch. But, um, I kind of decided that I wanted to not do one thing. I wanted to do a lot of different things. And so just started working for myself, got a few clients and, um, yeah, like it just started snowballing and within kind of six months of working for myself, pretty much everything, almost everything I was doing was touching crypto in some way. Like within 12 months, like it was, I went from having a client base, which was kind of sports, fintech and a little bit of crypto stuff to basically 98% crypto and client base is is maybe a loose word now because I, I definitely still have clients in the sense that like I produce content or or consult with them but now it's like this amazing new world of NFT communities or DAOs means that like you are part of that community. You're paid for the work that you do. They're not your client. You're, you're basically a cog in this machine, which I think is, a, is another awesome thing. So yeah, like that, that's basically like how how things have gone um, in, in kind of working for myself. And so I still have like part of my job is, is still working for myself. The other half of my job is at Copper 90 where I'm the head of crypto. So Copper 90 are a football media company and um they'll be best known for their publishing so they've got a massive youtube following um you know lots of awesome content like people will remember fifa and chill which was was something that i used to grow up with um lots of like entertainment-based content but also like uh, fan curated content and stuff like that, which is which is pretty cool. Um, they also work with a lot of brands on the client side. So, if anyone's seen the Messi six four four advert, where you know there's loads of uh, goalkeepers drinking a beer, um, dependent on which number goal that Messi scored against them, um, that was kind of like Summer Coppers doing. Um, so they do lots of campaigns like that and work on a range of different things anything from like uh i don't know certain things i can't say but like anything from those types of campaigns to um you know more kind of distribution based campaigns or content creation campaigns and i think there's um so so they have a a really big and and kind of um prestigious client base and those clients are now starting to ask about like crypto and and what's going on there uh specifically nfts most of them uh we've got kind of like a client uh facing b2b piece of uh content which is a newsletter at the moment so my my kind of focus is both on like editorial and uh the kind of um, client Tell side. Tell us
0: a little bit about the newsletter So, so that well. one
1: that I just mentioned is a, is a Copper 90 newsletter. It's called The Next 90 and that goes out to like a very select okay. few people. It's like hundred or so mailing lists that we'll be opening up to in, in the future. My personal newsletter is called Sporting Crypto. So basically like I've had this idea for, I don't know, six to nine months maybe and I was kind of waiting for the opportune time in terms of when does enough stuff happen happen that crosses over between sports and crypto that there is enough there to write about it weekly and i just said to myself i haven't written anything properly in like four or five years i do want to do some more writing and i was like when that happens i'll start writing this newsletter and so that started happening i mean I, i don't even know if i pull it up here like what the what the first edition i did was um so the first edition i did was september 13th so like just over four months ago that basically happened and
0: I, oh wow that's pretty yeah, yeah really pretty recent. recent so <laughs> and how many how many subscribers um, do you
1: have well i'll tell you the exact um we've just hit about 850 which is pretty good so um,
0: wow well done well done it's pretty good in
1: for four months
0: yeah yeah, and I definitely i put all the links in the, in the show notes Thank so you. people can go, sign up to the newsletter. And then, Patrick, your podcast, <laughs> I can't, I <laughs> almost can't keep track how many podcasts you have. <laughs> so do you want to talk about your podcast, sure. things you're hosting, co-hosting, participating
1: yeah, so I, we we just launched one called the Floorcast, which is with the um, which is an NFT podcast, and that is with the Floor NFT community. So that's a completely community based thing. Like, you know, no one owns that podcast. Um, we, we, you know, we're all contributing different things to it, and we just basically talk about NFTs every Monday, like what NFT projects we like, um, what is going on in that space, and it seems to have gone down pretty well so far. People are enjoying it. Um,
0: well done, yeah. So so, so that's one.
1: Um, I do a private behind closed doors podcast with the Shiny Object Social Club, which goes out every week. That is just specifically for their community, and it's not available to the public, uh, although it may be soon. Um, so that's another one. Uh, the State of Play podcast, which is a, a football podcast about the top five leagues, is still running, it's still something that I um I I I I do we're doing it less frequently because that me and my two co-hosts are so uh, so busy at the moment but like that's something that's been kind of there since summer t- state of play which has been there since summer 2018 and then um I'm cooking up another podcast which is going to be about football and, and web 3 which will be coming soon so definitely uh, keep your eyes and ears out for that one
0: yeah I will definitely do that I'll definitely do that so the last yes. the, the last
1: plug I've got is uh I so there's two kind of bigger pieces of 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 podcast work that i'm doing they're more kind of audio documentaries one of them was the history and future of nfts uh with the nfts what the fuck dow um that was if you go to nft uh documentary dot media you'll find it there yes, it's, it's I've really listened awesome definitely to this. recommend checking it out
0: this is a slightly different format yeah
1: yeah, and um, gonna do something similar called uh, gonna make it in crypto media, so that's alongside Junie and Wong, and that's actually funded by the Edgeware DAO, which is pretty cool. And um, we decided to do something that we didn't really want to make money on, um, because I think if we went out to sponsors, we could have made a, a reasonable amount of money, but like we wanted to do it in a more crypto native way, so we were funded by an actual DAO's treasury, we had to put a proper proposal together, and they basically fund media um, and want media to be a public good so that was uh, a really interesting experience for me and um, and I, I think it's a lot of future business models and uh, and media products are going to be funded in this way so the last couple of plugs there from me
0: yes great i'll link all that into the show notes and thank you patrick thank you for your thoughts around nfts fun tokens and everything else related to football, sports, and crypto. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you want to know how blockchain PR can help your business grow, just go to www.blockchainpr.online.